Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Sutler. The show is heard on WBCQ, The Planet, every Monday and Thursday evenings at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also listen to the show on our Podomatic page. Just go to Podomatic and put in Camp Constitution. We also do upload some of these shows on our YouTube channel. Probably not this one. Usually when I have a a guest I'll uh, interview. Um, Anyway, also this show is brought to you by Camp Constitution, which among other things runs a week-long family camp. And next year's camp runs from July 18th to the 24th. It's going to be at the Singing Hills Christian Camp and Retreat Center in Plainfield, New Hampshire. More information, just visit our website. We are taking applications. We also have a ladies' retreat uh, that we that takes place there. That would be a weekend event uh, where we do all kinds of fun things as well as spiritual things. So we do encourage you to check that out if you're a lady. And the camp is located about an hour north and west of Concord, New Hampshire. So it's um, not, not very close to the Vermont border off of uh, Interstate 91 and 89. It's also the two major roads that are close to the camp, but far enough that you don't hear any traffic because it is a nice, nice uh, rural setting. Uh, we also encourage you, uh, listeners, especially first-time listeners, to visit our website. Take advantage of all of the great resources we have. We have uh, downloads, um, great resources for, uh, for liberty activists, um, and we also have the Samuel Blumenfeld Archive. If you're a homeschooler, or educator, researcher, you can actually teach people how to read free of charge, although we do accept donations. Visit our sponsors page. Consider becoming a sponsor to keep this show and uh, on the air and all the things that we do uh, vi- vibrant and viable. So uh, anyway, this week is a very special week in our, the history of the world. It is the birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior of mankind. Now, some people don't accept that, but that's the truth. And what I've noticed, I'm still living, I'm, we've moved to New Hampshire but as we're moving and transitioning, I'm still in the Boston area for the next few days, and I'll be back, you know, cleaning out and whatever. But what I've noticed this year, more so than past years, is that there are plenty of lights, uh, decorations, outdoor lighting uh, in the neighborhood. And this isn't exactly what I call a Bible Belt neighborhood. And other people are, are saying the same thing, that they're seeing a lot more lights, in some cases, side streets, where every house, practically every house has lights. And that's because people aren't traveling much. They're not going out like they normally do. They may be visiting loved ones or going, uh, going skating or the things that you do around Christmas time, going to um, the stores and going out to restaurants and having Christmas parties and office parties and all sorts of things like that. People are staying home because of this unconstitutional lockdown. Uh, so it does look nice, but the sad thing is that most of the people uh, don't really appreciate or really understand the holiday. And holiday means holy day. Uh, they take the word holiday. It'll say People will say happy holidays instead of saying Merry Christmas because it might offend somebody. Oh, I don't celebrate Christmas. You know, you get over it. If, you, if, if I walked by, if I was in a predominantly Jewish neighborhood, someone said to me, Happy Hanukkah, I'd smile and say thank you. 
I don't celebrate it, but I appreciate it, and I appreciate you, or something like that. That's called civility, but I guess we don't have that anymore in our uh, culture. Well, we do, on, but, but it's not as, as prevalent as it once was. But we say Merry Christmas. We don't say Merry Xmas. And, you know, there was a great television show growing up as a child. Um, I, it was the um, Charlie Brown Peanuts Christmas special it would be aired on a major network, I don't recall which one, usually a week before Christmas. And it was, uh, it was too short. It was a wonderful story of Christmas, Charlie Brown Christmas. And it starts out with all uh, poor Charlie. He's all, uh, doesn't really understand what Christmas is about, and he's depressed. And he sees his dog putting up all kinds of gaudy lights on his doghouse. And uh, he's, uh, he was encouraged by the psychiatrist, Lucy, to get involved. So he tries to get involved with the school play. And uh, that's a disaster. He buys a Christmas tree. That's a disaster. It's a little tiny thing that falls apart. And he's on the stage. And he's just lamenting. Can anyone tell me what Christmas is all, the meaning of Christmas? And little Linus comes out with his blanket. And I tell you, this is so powerful. Uh, he simply reads from the book of Luke, chapter 2. And I'm going to read. Uh, he did, doesn't read as much as I'm going to read, but I think it's important to do that. In those days, the decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. And let me make a comment here. There are some socialist Christians that will say, poor Jesus. And, you know, he was, they were so poor, they were born in a, in a barn. Well, the reason why they were, he was born in a barn is because there were no rooms left because of this decree from the emperor. They were there. They were there. It was a government mandate. Now, God used it for good, but that's why they were there. They weren't homeless. They weren't living in the streets because of capitalism. They were told to be there. If the emperor says you do something, you do something. And they had to travel to uh, Bethlehem, where they were from, and to be counted, uh, to be registered. So here we go. Um, this was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The shepherds and angels. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. But an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. 
The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for they had heard and seen it has been told them. So this is the story of Christmas. This is the meaning of Christmas, that a Savior of mankind, God in the flesh, the uh, third part of the Trinity, was born. And it's interesting that God didn't reveal this to the emperor, to the politicians. He, he relayed this message to really shepherds who were not considered high on the social status. And God does, has a way of doing this throughout the Bible. That doesn't mean God doesn't like people with wealth. Don't, you know, don't the socialists take it a different way. So all of the gift-giving, all of the uh, getting going into debt, people not liking their presence, uh, people not speaking to this person or because they, this person voted for Trump, so I'm not going to the family reunion, all this stuff. It's not what it's about. It's about the Savior. And if more people understood and accepted the Savior, oh, it'd be such a better world. Oh, it won't be perfect. We, we're, we Christians are sinners saved by grace. We can be a cantankerous lot sometimes, but my goodness, it would be a much better world if there were more people who accepted Jesus as their Savior and lived according to uh, the Ten Commandments, which we try to keep, uh, it would be wonderful. And this is what this is about. This is what Christmas is all about. And again, I, uh, I know people get so caught up in all of the, um, the activities and they kind of forget sometimes their focus is away from the true meaning of Christmas. There is no such thing as the Christmas spirit. It's the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, goodwill towards man. So the spirit should be around year-round, not just uh, the one second after the midnight on Thanksgiving, and then it ends uh, you know, midnight on the, 20, the 25th of December, or once the ball drops, uh, then, okay, we're in the new year, so the Christmas season is over. Oh, sometimes it's interesting too that how the decorations tend to linger around January being a cold month and dark, and some people keep the lights on, and then little by little, and even some people in March, and some people keep the lights on year round. That's that's fine, but the mean if Christmas isn't Christmas decorations, it isn't Santa Claus. And again, there's nothing wrong with uh, Santa Claus, a little little children, but that's not what we celebrate. You know, it's not a question of being naughty and nice. It's a question of being, accepting, being a Christian, accepting Christ as a Savior. So uh, <clears throat> we are very pleased to say that we'll be celebrating Christmas in New Hampshire. We got a, we just discovered, my son discovered that there's a Christmas tree farm, a few, just a short, right on our road in uh, in Alton, set back a ways, and he, he cut down a Christmas tree, and and uh, we're going to have a nice meal, a nice family meal. We're going to have a fireplace, so it's so we're really looking forward to it. And then we get back to business, uh, uh, cleaning this house out. You know, people have been so generous uh, to Camp Constitution over the years with their giving and with their uh, donating books. And one of the things that we do to raise funds is to sell books. So we have an Amazon account. Uh, it's offline. For probably another week or so, uh, I just packed up all the books, uh, and they'll be relocating to New Hampshire. Uh, so we sell books on Amazon. I also sell them on my Facebook page. I tried doing the Camp Constitution Facebook page, but I wasn't getting many, many bites. So I do my personal Facebook page, Hal Shirtliff, and I'll post, take pictures of books. And you know what's great is that there are so many great books that were published in the 40s and 50s, 
60s and 70s that are timeless resources and there's a whole new generation of patriot activists and some of them may not be young people either some of them might you know in their 50s and 60s but learning this stuff for the first time and it's so gratifying that you know that we're able to uh, give this great information that has been passed down to us so it's not just about raising money but it's also helping people learn uh, for you know for one of the great things is um, uh, not great things but people will talk about Russian collusion you know like this is something new oh you mean the Biden family is get ties to Moscow oh just was Trump was Trump a tool of Putin and people all the Democrats and then you'll go oh we think Trump is a is is in line working with Putin that's treason that's evil hey we we in the United States have been aiding and abetting the Soviet Union since the Bolshevik Revolution and how many people know that well we know this because we have people like Ant. well first off organizations like the John Birch Society they've been telling us this for years we have a man like Ant, the late Anthony Sutton who not only wrote about it he documented he was a professor at Stanford at the um, the Hoover Institute at the University of Stanford University I believe what's based and he this man did such a yeoman's work and initially he didn't he didn't want to accept it he said oh I can't believe this and then he just got the re got the documents got the research folks and he he wrote a number of books he wrote a book called uh, national suicide I think that was his first one and we make these we make these available uh, to people he wrote a book called the best uh, best enemy money can buy he wrote uh, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution. He wrote Wall Street and the um, Nazis. I think it's called, yeah, Wall Street and the Nazis and the Wall Street, the Wall Street connection to the communists, to the Nazis. Uh, and he died, I think, in the, he was up in his 90s when he died. I think it was in the early 2000s. Uh, but his work goes on. And we have on our Potomatic page, we actually have one of his speeches. He gave a speech. It was either a speech or an interview, or maybe we have one of each. But he was supposed to be one of the speakers at the 1972 Republican Party um, Republican Party convention, which I think took place in Miami. And when they got wind of what he was going to say, he was uninvited because it's not just Democrats that have been colluding with Russia it's Republicans it's people on both sides and not just Russia but also China Henry Kissinger he became a multi-millionaire because of Kissinger Associates his connections to the Trilateral Commission which was formed right about that time 72 73 Council on Foreign Relations Alexander Haig you remember him he was Secretary of State under Reagan he was basically a Kissinger protege uh, I actually met him while I was stationed in Germany I'm just a young young soldier a very very impressive looking guy he looked like a soldier but the reason why we lost Vietnam is because of people like him I remember once I was watching an early c-span uh, probably back in the late 80s and there was Haig I don't think he was Secretary of State he may have may have still been Secretary of State or he may have just uh, he was just being uh, testifying and he said the Chinese communists are the good guys 
just like just like uh, Joe Biden, he's got a little clip. Uh, there's a little video clip of Biden saying they're not bad folks, folks. No, they're not bad folks. They just they just inherited mass murder. They persecute Christians. They persecute Muslims. They track you wherever you go. You have this um, you have this uh, social rating. Not credit rating. Here in the United States, we have credit ratings. You know, you're paying your debt on time. You're borrowing money like a good like a good consumer, and you're paying off the creditors at 25% interest, like a good American. You're making payments on your mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. But in China, they have these social um, these social credits. You know, are you are you drinking? Are you criticizing the government? Are you uh, doing? You know, you have more than two people in your house. Are you having more than one uh, more than one child? All these kinds of things, and that's coming here, folks. In fact, it already is here, thanks to uh, big tech, uh, Silicon Valley. You know, the banning people. Oh, you you you've got a Trump sign. Oh man, we're going to fire you from your job. We're going to call your job. We're going to harass you, and all kinds of things that folks do here to um, to make it difficult for First Amendment freedom of speech. People simply, hey, so I vote for. I have a right to do that. Um, Anyway, so getting back to the uh, yeah, getting back to the uh, aiding and trading. So uh, back in the ni- uh, 1920s, Hoover went over there. This would be uh, Herbert Hoover was over there helping the Russians, uh, and then um, we had uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt uh, did a lot uh, to, to keep Stalin in power. In the 50s and 60s, we were sending technological transfers and machines. Uh, it isn't that they stole. They did steal some of our technology, like our nuclear technology, but we gave them so much more. In the 60s and 70s, we gave them the technology to what they call Muravir missiles, multiple, multiple independent reentry vehicles. So you have a, you have a, a rocket, <clears throat> a missile, and then you can put 10 warheads or, or more warheads. So when you launch it, uh, it gets to its destination and then can hit 10 targets or 12 targets uh, instead of having single single warheads. And that was thanks to technology only available here in the United States. It was miniature ball bearings that made that possible. In fact, I I know where the company used to be in, in uh, Vermont, right? Uh, I think it was in Springfield, Vermont, right on the Connecticut River, where they made these things. And the owners of the company at the time did not want to sell this technology but they were forced to under Kissinger, basically threatened to shut them down. They did eventually go out of business once the technology, once this technology became known, it was stolen or what have you. And the, uh, people would say, oh, well, if they didn't, if we didn't sell it to them, somebody else would have sold it to them. Uh, well, that wasn't the case because no one else had it to sell. Uh, and then Ronald Reagan, I know he gets a lot of praise, and you don't want to criticize him because he's supposed to be the champion conservative president, a model to look after. He did his utmost um, to, um, to bring uh, Russia and China. I also want to mention, too, in the seven, early 70s, it was under Nixon, by the way, Nixon and Ford, uh, there was a major project in the Soviet Union, the Kama River Truck Diesel Factory where they made gigantic diesel, hundreds of thousands of diesel engines. That technology came right from the United States. And, of course, the, uh, the pro-Soviets at the time told us, oh, we're gonna, they're going to be more like us. This is going to help them. They, they're going to use these trucks for, you know, to deliver food from the farms, and this is all good. Well, 
They made engines okay. They put them on trucks. They used them to invade Afghanistan. That's what they did with them. And and uh, um, you think of a man named Armand Hammer. Armand Hammer was one of the, I guess he was called the communist favorite capitalist. You see, the word capitalist has an uh, has, has an ugly connotation. Oh, you think of some greedy person with a big cigar firing people and not paying them good wages. But there's free market capitalism and there's monopoly capitalism. So when we hear of when I I prefer the word free market because there's not it's not really capitalism when the state or government is supporting you, giving you sole exclusive rights to sell a product or manufacture a product. That's not capitalism. That's really mercantilism. That's uh, how you know how the English, uh, how Europe, the monarchs ran things. You know they granted the East India Trading Company exclusive rights to ship tea or what have you. So uh, this Russian collusion has been going on for years, and it's Chinese collusion. In fact, um, China. I, I, if you look at today's communist China, if there's one leader, one world person that they have to thank to help them make them with Ronald Reagan. And people don't want to hear that. I remember as a young, uh, just out of the army, I remember uh, seeing a little tiny article in the local newspaper. I think it was the Boston Herald. And it said, uh, President Reagan authorizes the sale of a half a billion dollars worth of weapons to China. And I thought, wait a minute, what's going on here? And the argument was, well, they're the good communists. The Russians are the bad communists, you see. And they're kind of, uh, so we got to stay with the good communists. Well, folks, there are no good communists. There are good former communists, but there are no good communists. Uh, there are good former communists who reject communism and become advocates of liberty, not communists who become socialists or uh or uh, what's the term they use for the, uh, or in China they're called uh, princelings. These are, the, these are the wealthy communist Chinese that are granted special privileges. You, okay, you own this company and they're worth millions of dollars, but they're loyal to the Communist Party. They're not advocates of free. You won't see von Mises' books, uh, anything by von Mises or any of the free market economists uh, lining their libraries. I can guarantee you that. And that's what we see here in um, with Biden, you know, Biden is up to his eyeballs with uh, pro being pro pro communist China, and communist China they are they have a plan. They want to dominate the world. Now, will he dominate the world? I don't think so. Uh, but they're, they're making lives miserable. Look what they've done. They unleashed this virus around the world. Now, of course, that's supposed to be a conspiracy theory. If you posted that on most social media, they take it down immediately. But this virus. If it was released by accident, what did the Chinese communists do? They banned all domestic flights, but during the Chinese New Year, they held it, people, Chinese people, from all over the world, Europe, Italy, United States, Canada, South America, because they've got Chinese everywhere. And a lot of them flew to Wuhan to celebrate the Chinese New Year, and they flew back. And some of them had the communist Chinese virus and it infected the world. And what was the model? Now, look, you've got some symptoms. Stay home, wash your hands, stay away from people a little bit. That's fine. No, lock everything down. Destroy the economies. Destroy the middle class. Destroy the freedom of assembly, the freedom to worship. That's what they had in mind. 
And so many people around the world, in the United States, Europe, were more than happy to comply. Governors, mayors, county commissioners, what have you, were so happy to comply with these edicts. They, had, they became power drunk. They came up with these policies that made absolutely no sense. Curfews, you can't leave the house after 9, 9 p.m., 9 to 5, unless it's an emergency. Somehow the virus is more active at night when everyone's in their homes. The virus is outside for a party, having a bonfire down the park, something like this. And they would have six feet. Well, why not five feet or ten feet? And then these stupid masks, mask mandates, the masks make you safe. Well, if they made you safe, the virus should have been gone by now because most people are so afraid. Even today, they've got basically have masks welded to their faces between masks. Sometimes they wear two or three masks and they have a face shield and they have gloves. And my goodness, if you go anywhere near them within a mile of them without a mask, they'll run and hide or they'll come after you. They get violent and they'll attack you. You don't have to worry about uh, police enforcing mask mandates. The people uh, are more than happy to comply. They'll kill you. You know what? You, 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 if, you, if I was speeding 90 miles an hour in, in a residential neighborhood, nobody would probably, oh, that guy's a jerk. No one's going to call the cops on me. But I don't wear a mask. They want to kill me. They'll do a judge, jury, and executioner. And that's happened. People have actually been shot. No, uh, for not wearing a mask, uh, people get into fights over it. Well, if you know, if you're not wearing a mask and you're you got you, and you're worried about that person spreading the virus, you think you would have nothing to do with them. Get away! You know, hey, you've got the you've got the virus. I'm going to stay away from you as much as I can. No, they go out. They want to confront them. That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and we've talked about these masks before. You know, these masks. Uh, I have an army gas mask. Uh, I bought at a yard sale. It was the vintage, I forget what M something not to call it. These are the masks that we had when I was in the Army, Germany, and in, in, in the 101st Airborne. Uh, and at basic training, we had to put the mask on, and I think everybody that served in the military, at least the Army, probably the Marines as well, had to go into a gas chamber to make sure that mask was sealed. And then you had to break the seal, and you had to take a whiff of the, the tear gas, and you had so you respected that mask. Well, that mask is, that particular army mask is probably 10,000, if not more times effective than these face masks. Uh, those, those masks, those army gas masks can block out chemical, biological, and nuclear. Not, with the nuclear, not too long, I think 10 or 15 minutes, and you've got to get out of that area, but enough to accomplish your mission. But I'm told it cannot stop the coronavirus. So that gas mask cannot stop the coronavirus. That little face mask you're wearing, that's designed to, uh, you know, uh, to, uh, to stop stop someone from sneezing or stop some of the stuff coming out of your nose when you sneeze or when you cough. That is not going to prevent you from spreading or getting the virus. You can put 20 of them on your face. You can put that plastic shield on your face. Not going to do have any impact whatsoever. But it's this false sense of security. Well, it looks like we're out of time, folks. But the fastest, fastest 30 minutes in radio. Thank you for listening. And uh, until next week, may you and yours have a very Merry Christmas, and may God bless you.